What's happening, guys? It's John, a cut above horror review, episode number 61. We're talking about the Nighthouse from 2021. Oh, yeah. We have a fun discussion about this one. So uh, let's get ready, drink some bourbon, and get ready. Episode 61, a cut above horror review. It starts now. Blech. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be reviewing The Night House from 2021. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. How you doing, Hydraberg? What's going on, guys? <laughs> How's your week? Tired. So far. Tired. Yeah. Went hiking yesterday. Bear yeah, mount. you got some beautiful photos of your hiking. I did. Kick my butt, though. <laughs> we didn't know, like... I thought it was like decent hiking with some inclines. It was steep stuff. Like we started at the top and we had to go down all these like steps that were cut out of rock. Mm. And those were not so bad. But then there's like a park area where we walked around the lake for a little while and people were barbecuing. But then we had to get back up to the car to my Jeep. And like we were like, well, which trail do we take? We didn't want to take the steps back. So there's like another one. And it's like it's steep, but it said it's one point five miles so i'm like oh it's only 1.5 miles it should be all right we didn't realize that like steep meant like you're walking up just like chunks of rock yeah and like mountainsides basically that like without climbing equipment you don't need it it's not quite that steep but it's steep enough like there were people going down it with like those walking poles we didn't have any of that and you had to like you know place your f- footing right to get up it and it's pretty it was a good workout though but i it sucked at the moment during the during the moment. But when we got up there, I was like really happy that we did it. So I'm proud of you that you did it. That's pretty yeah. impressive. It, it pretty sounds fun. like a sounds like a recipe for me breaking my face. Oh, yeah. yeah. I slept good last night. I bet. How many steps was it? Did you wear your pedometer? Uh, I don't know. I got to check. That's cool. Well, I'm proud of you. That's pretty awesome. That's more Thank than you. I could do. And next up, we've got John. How you doing, John? Oh, hey, guys. How you doing, JQ? How you doing? Mm-hmm. Hydraberg? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I can relate to you, Hydraberg, because uh, when it comes to walking and stuff like that, we've got inclines out here that feel like it's almost like a 90 degree angle where you're walking straight up. And it was. Uh, wow, what a pain. I did that today. I did about two miles myself today, and it was just wow. Wow. I'm feeling it right now. Big time my legs my hamstrings my butt cheeks (laughs) it hurts uh i i I do want to thank um my family my friends hydraberg and jacqueline uh thank you guys this is the sentimental john coming out i've gone through some stuff here in the past week or so that that has uh really hit me hard um but thank you guys you guys have been there i love you guys I, i i appreciate your friendship your your uh, you being a part of my family. So thank you. guys. We love you too, John. Love you. Uh, You know, we do this thing together and it's not just a podcast. It's not just for talking about movies. This is like, you know, our, our mode of friendship and we care about you. We love you. We just want everything to be good for you. Ditto guys. I'm doing great. By the way, just, uh, my butt cheeks are sore right now. (laughs) That is a sound bite right there. If that's the worst thing you got going on, you're you're pretty good. Sounds like you had a good weekend. <laughs> butt cheeks are sore. 
Is it Skeletor? <laughs> give you a little. Uh, he came over and said hello. I'll get you next time, he man. <laughs> Did you have a run in with a monster that looked like Beaker? Oh mm. my god! Uh, <laughs> penis monsters. You must still be sore from last week. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that was a great show last week. I loved having Stephen and Leo on from Spoils of Horror. I do want to thank every guest that we've had on: Stephen and Leo, Bob, um, Randy, Anya. Yeah, Anya, uh, freaking Nicole. Nicole. Jesus. Nicole. Um, Nicole's not a guest anymore. She's just a co-host. She is a co-host. She's what basically the fifth Beatle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's the fifth. <laughs> nice. But we do have some special guests coming up uh, here in the next couple of months, but we'll get to that later in the show. So. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a guest of Palooza. It mm. is, actually. And we'll talk about because we're going, we're jumping back into the theme months, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love a theme. Season. I love a theme. See, that's the one thing is our host, Jacqueline, loves a theme month. I do. I, you know, and I love Women of Horror Month. We don't have to do a theme every month, but these themes that are coming up. Yes. Yeah, they're going to be good. Y'all are going to like them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Joan, do you have any news for us? I do. What's new in the horror world? uh, The official trailer for Terrifier 2 came out. Yes. We all saw it. Thoughts, uh, and do not mention the trash bag, Heidelberg. So go first. And then I have nothing to say. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Jacqueline, what'd you think? It fucking rocks. I love that trailer. It looks better than a Rob Zombie movie. I can't oh, wait Lord. to see it. She, that it does. I'll agree right there. You horn that in perfectly, <laughs> nicely. Yeah, that was. That's I'm never how it's the done, first John. one. I'm never the first one. So. Bazinga. <laughs> uh, I, but seriously, that trailer looks like the shit. I cannot no. wait. I, I seriously can't wait. I get the vibe of the original Terrifier. It, it almost seems to me that it's going to be more gory. If if Maybe. possible. But it's not only going to solely be about the gore this time. It looks like that does look like there's a good amount of plot and setting more than one setting. <laughs> Yay. And more the fucking trash bag is back. I'm sorry. Oh, I got to mention it. It's the first thing you see, like one of the first images you see in the trailer. <laughs> This is like, literally one second the and, then, and then dumps his crap into it. I know. <laughs> and he's on his way. And you sent something on Twitter of of uh to Damien Leone and I of the trash bag thing. Because I remember last week I was like, no, there was no trash bag in it. But in this one, it was pretty trash bag filled. Yeah, it's very trash bag centric trailer. <laughs> the trash bag was prominently featured. <laughs> I think it's in the credits. I don't care. No, it looks better. (laughs) Well, and Stephen said last week that he had heard that Damien Leone really took um, the criticism from the first Terrifier to heart and really made efforts to improve the script and listen to the advice that people were giving him and make it better. He wants he wants to make people happy. Um, I follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and he really this is I could tell that like his heart is in this. And he wants to create a fantastic movie that the fans are really going to love. He wants to like make everybody happy with this. So I appreciate that as a fan. And well, I think he's, he's going to do great. And to add to that is Andy Gillia, a friend of the show and my partner on a previous go, uh, podcast. He actually contributed to the India Go-Go. So his name is going to be in the credits. So oh, sweet. right I- under the trash bag. <laughs> right, under it. right under all the trash bags right yeah there's probably more than one there's probably a stunt trash bag and like oh the God. stand-in trash bag <laughs> that's what assistant to the trash bag yeah 
there's like the zoom in trash bag. It's like better looking than all. It's like shinier than the other trash bags. The grip in the trash yeah. bag. <laughs> there's it a does, surfaces I'm, table. I'm actually because uh, this is you could tell. Yeah, it is a labor of love for uh, Leone and. I just uh, the rivalry between uh, art and the, the angel character. It looks really cool. I like that it takes place on Halloween around Halloween again. So that's cool theme. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought the dive into the uh, uh, the main, I, I guess, the protagonist of the movie, the girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the background because there was like this really nice shot of the wings being built. You know, it was like, like she's um, a cosplayer or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like she put a lot of thought into this. So, I mean, you know, maybe it's a good versus evil type thing. I don't know. Yeah, I dug it. It does look that way. And you know what? Even just in the trailer, I do see some of that signature art, the clown dark humor, like that he's being playful in a way. I mean, in a very, very dark way, but still for him, it's playful. And I appreciate that. When I thought with the original movie of him being silent not making a sound mm-hmm. they keep that you know it's it's gonna be fine yeah chris jericho's in this too i just saw the other day the wrestler chris jericho yeah he's got a scene oh nice he's a big horror gonna... fan, so. les champions i don't know that i wonder if there's gonna be a gun in this one oh shut up <laughs> you're giving me shit because I'm... if there is you're probably gonna tell me about it john i probably will we don't know what secrets Art has in his trash bag. Oh, no, it's going to be a Gatlin gun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what is that? A uh, Gatlin gun, like one of those ones that shoots. Yeah, it's thousands of bullets. like yeah. it had the bullets and it spins around and shoots people. Oh, OK. Not a fan, huh? Jacqueline's never so. seen any action movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> apparently. I've seen True Lies. Get to the chop. Yeah. True Lies is a great film. I love that movie a lot, but I don't think he has that kind of gun in it. So no, I know what you're talking about. Plus, it's got Jamie Lee Curtis. Come on. Yes, it does. A very memorable Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely. That was, uh, that was like a comeback for her, too, in that film. Yeah. It kind of was. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Tusk? Yes. No, it's on my list. And oh. I just, it's one of those movies I haven't gotten around to yet. You got to cover it. Let's do it. I'm actually down for that. Um, Apparently, Kevin Smith is in talks to do Tusk 2. Okay. Electric Buskening. <laughs> I know Bob really likes Tusk from Straight Chillin. Yeah. I got to tell you, Jacqueline, that movie, I don't know how you feel about it, Hyderabad, but it really disturbed me. <laughs> Such a disturbing movie. I, with I, that. I, I don't know what it was. It was just, it was kind of hard to watch. It surprised me also. It's actually one of, I think it's one of the best crafted uh, Kevin Smith films that he's. I, I don't think done. bad. It was just really hard yeah. to watch. It was just, uh, yeah, it was very cringeworthy. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah. I definitely recommend it. I, yeah, I would lightly recommend it to you, Jacqueline. Check okay. it out. So. All right. I'll move it uh, higher on my list because that is one of them curious about. It seems like if nothing else, it's something unique. So I always I, I always respect that. So, uh, yeah, if there's a Michael sequel Parks coming out, in it, that'll... I think it's one of his last films. Ooh, really? It is actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, yeah. just long in it, too. I love yeah, it's basically the two of them. OK, Justin Long's great. Uh, I think his daughter's in it, right? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, Harley Smith. OK, Harley Quinn. <laughs> that is her name. 
yeah, it, he he's a total uh, like comic book geek. Oh, oh, I thought you were joking. No, no. he has a podcast. It's called Fat Man Beyond. It's like a play on Batman Beyond. Got it. All right. Uh, okay, this one's for Jacqueline R.L. Stein. Are you a big fan of him, or were you a big fan of his reading his books? So. I sort of cut my teeth on R.L. Stein's Fear Street books, which were like teen horror um, books. And I was reading those when I was maybe like 10 and 11 because I got into Stephen King at age 12. But yeah, like age 9, 10, 11, R.L. Stein was big for me with the Fear Street books. I didn't read Goosebumps. I was too like I was beyond Goosebumps by the time those started coming out. I was I was reading, you know, harder stuff. So um i know most people are like into the goosebump stuff that's just not that's that wasn't a part of my childhood um but fear street hell yeah that was like very influential on my horror literary tastes and like i used to write stories trying to imitate his his fear street story so yes tell me what is up with rl Stein. so visually you watched fear street on netflix right the i watched the first one okay i didn't watch the rest of the trilogy because i was like less than bowled over by the first i didn't hate it but i was just like underwhelmed mm. well <clears throat> zombie town are you familiar with that no or al stein Mm-mm. uh apparently it's coming live action it's going to be on netflix starring dan Aykroyd and chevy chase well i like that matchup yeah i'll watch it mm-hmm. is it it's what's the age, what's the targeted age group for that uh it's like kids or teens do you can do you know I would say more teens. I okay. mean, if, if it's anything like Fear Street, it almost like gears towards that upper teenage years. But okay. uh, Zombie Town, I guess. I don't know. Sounds cool. I, I was never a reader. <laughs> what, what, do, what did you say for the release date on that? Or do we know? Pre-production. So okay. Oh, okay. So it's going to be a while. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of stuff to look forward to. You bet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, Hydraberg, this was your film. We're talking about the Night House. Why'd you pick it? I saw this film last year in the theater. Um, when you know, like people just started going back to the theaters for after COVID, you know, had the restrictions were lowered, and uh, I just really enjoyed it. That's a David Bruckner film, and. We're fans of David Bruckner here on the podcast. Uh, we covered The Ritual. Um, he's also doing the new Hellraiser for Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought, you know, now would be a good time to, to do it. Plus, I just wanted to pick something that like was a little bit better than fucking Allegoria. Or, or even though I had fun with that rock and roll nightmare, I just wanted to pick something a little bit more serious. Okay. Understandable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you picked it. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, and we we are fans of Bruckner in these parts. Sure are. All right. Well, let's decide whether it fucks or sucks. Hyderberg, what do you say? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Does a fucker suck? This film fucks like a widow, three sheets to the wind on a brandy bender. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Johnny? No, how about you, Jacqueline? Go ahead. Uh, I think this it it's a pretty hot fuck to start with. I think Ooh. it gets a little sloppy near the end and you mm. kind of start wondering, was it worth it? But uh, once it's over, you're glad you're glad you did it. It was <laughs> worth a fuck. 
Mm-hmm. Should have went first because I was going the same direction. It's like this is a hot fuck, and then the brandy kicks in, so you get whiskey, <laughs> and then yeah. it picks back up, and it's a wonderful fuck. So yes, Hydroberg, well done. This is a a definite fuck. All right, nice. Well, John, can you uh, hit us with a spoiler warning? Certainly. We'll talk about The Night House from 2021 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it and come back to find out what we thought about it. Hydroberg, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that you got to see this in a theater. I think that probably was a cool experience. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It definitely was. Was it one of those things where you're like one of two people in the whole theater? Actually, yeah, that's in my notes. I was by myself. <laughs> Oh, if maybe if, if there was another person in there, they were very quiet because it was just it felt like just me. Did you get scared? There are a couple of jump scares that did make me jump in this film. <laughs> oh, there, there are. Mm-hmm. There are. Sorry. It makes me a little sad to think of you like all by yourself in a giant theater. Like all right. <laughs> getting a little scared a couple of times. <laughs> all right. You have a reach around. Uh, of course, I, I have a reach around. <clears throat> You guys ready? I'm yeah. so ready. Choking on water. <laughs> Me too. Go ahead. All right. On the verge of tears, a widow fears. The man she loved for many years was not the man that he appears to be since the day they met. This man she loved, he was a threat. To women who shared her appearance, the truth is his crimes were meant to cause interference. She struggles through grief with perseverance, haunted by her lover's reappearance. She learns of other women's disappearance and finds the house across the lake. Her marriage true or was it fake? Her husband did what he thought best. Whispers of nothing a man possessed. Because of this, she cannot rest. Her heart and soul put to the test. Her nights in this house are now haunted. Her memories of a love now faulted. Day after day remains exhausted. She won't just quit, though. She's going to do something. For the rest of her life, it's all or nothing. Wow. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Wow. Can yeah, I so I did see this by myself and there are some jump scares. This film does really good work with um, audio. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think this movie is so heavy. Uh, yeah. I, I recently found out that uh, somebody that I knew passed away mm. um, from suicide. So it was like, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, me too. I, I really am more, more thoughts and prayers to the friends and family. I mean, somebody that I was an acquaintance with, but it was, it hit me especially hard on this one because it was, you really have to be in a decent headspace to watch this because it's so heavy. Yeah. It is. It's very I dark. Think, I think if you've, if you've experienced grief, it definitely enhances the film, even though, you know, it may not be the most pleasant watch if you dealt with grief just recently. Sure. Mm-hmm. But um, so like the opening shots, I just loved like it. Is, I feel like it establishes the house really well and the tone. Mm-hmm. And you can see that like two people lived in this house and like loved each other. And that, you know, someone's grieving. You can see the tissues on like the nightstand. You can see the house is a little disheveled. And I just think like, I don't know, just from the very onset, like David Bruckner just creates like a really good film. Um, and the setting just like is perfect for me. Yeah, those opening shots are like so beautifully done because you don't realize what's going on until yeah. it's it, it, until they sh- start shooting the pictures, right? Yeah, you see pictures of them together, and I just think this film like it's one of the best portrayals I've ever seen of like grief in a film. 
Well, and I think the very first picture is of uh, our, our our lead character, Beth, of just this depressed look on her face, right? It, it was like a shot of her just in a solo picture, even before she gets back home, or was that after? after? There were pictures. There was a picture of them together in the nightstand. There might have been a picture of her as well. Yeah, I think there was a picture of just her alone, yeah. just kind of looking a little somber, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny that you guys brought that up right off the bat because I found myself thinking what a great job like production design did and the set design and mm-hmm. the set dressers. Um, I feel like it especially really had to look a certain way knowing that the character of the husband was an architect and built the yeah. house. And there's a lot that has to be done with space in this movie. And so I think like it gets like very complex, especially at the end. <clears throat> um as she's exploring the you know the what we find out is the night house or what we find out is the like the reverse of her house yeah. um so like all of that like the way they use space there and what that looks like but then also the way that her house is decorated and set up like it communicates a lot right off the bat like you guys said I about the life they had together and like what an absence there is now that one of them is gone well, and she establishes that she had the mental issues or or, or, or some sort of, you know, mental breakdown or something like that. depression. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So like the way they set that up, um, I love the way they played it out of you. You were trying to guess of who was the pro antagonist in this movie. You know, was it the husband? Was it this woman that that he was stalking on the phone? Was it the wife, Beth? Was it her friend? Mm-hmm. Or is there some kind of like ident like unidentified spirit or something that is like you know just like a you know a run of the mill kind of demon film you know right. we don't yeah. know and that's John, that's what, well it felt a little short for me because it almost felt like they leaned towards that that it that it was some sort of uh, you know some some sort of demon that was causing all this. However, you know, we find out in the end, which we'll get to, but it was one person. <laughs> so, so, I John, like, you've, sorry, Hyderberg, go ahead. No, I was just to touch on what John was saying. I just thought, like, uh, for me, like, there, I, there is something about like a supernatural, like, whodunit. Like, when a person's being haunted by an entity and they're trying to figure out either like what the entity is or like, or they know who the entity is. They're trying to figure out why it died or what it wants. You know, like those sort of movies, when they're done properly, they really they're really engaging. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this one did it for the most part pretty well. Yeah, I, I I like that too, and I found it to be more creative than some of the kind of standard um, types of supernatural films that you just mentioned, yeah. Heidelberg. Like, the, I mean, honestly, those are kind of a dime a dozen. There are some that stand apart from the pack because they're so well done, but there are a bunch that are not done very well. And one of the things that I think makes this movie stand apart from that as well is that uh, whatever is going on supernaturally, whatever is or is not going on supernaturally, there is still very interesting stuff happening within the world of reality mm-hmm. so whatever the whatever is you know if there's a demon or if there's not a demon or if it's all psychological whatever the husband still is leading a secret life yeah yep. and it's very mysterious and of course the obvious thought process is to think that there's like marital infidelity 
mm-hmm. happening. But I think that it's a nice misdirection because we come to find out he's not sleeping with these women. He's killing them. Right. And it takes a while for that to unfold and for us to find out why and how that's happening. But that's I, th- I thought that was like an unexpected turn of events and kind of, um, you know, makes it a little bit different. But there, there's enough going on in reality that is interesting beyond the supernatural. And, and you see these women jump into the water, like just disappear all of a sudden because uh, the character of Beth actually sees these women. You know, it's like they come to fruition for her of them jumping into the water, but they disappear. So mm-hmm. you get this idea of that. But uh, wh- what was uh, the, the character Beth? Uh, what was her friend's name? I forgot. Claire. 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 Okay. So Claire almost gives like this, this nod of maybe she's the antagonist of the movie. I just got like, she was the voice of reason. I, I don't, I didn't get that. I, I got, I never that. thought she was, had any ill intent towards that. I, I did though, because yeah. she, she kept saying, you know, why are you looking through his phone? There's no reason for you to look. through. Oh. His phone. Yeah. So you thought like she was the other woman almost like she I was you. Or that she was deliberately putting, trying to put some obstacles in her way. Yeah. Right. right. Interesting. Okay. I could, I could see, see that. Yeah, I could see that. I didn't get that, but I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Same here. But she, she was genuine. genuine to me. She, she, but she ended up being genuine. Like to me, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. You know, even the, even the woman at the bookshop, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, like. Madeline. Madeline. Um, it, it was like, she almost looked like Beth that it was just like, Okay, but she she seemed genuine. Like when she said, "Listen, you know, he kissed me. He he put his arms around me and then let me go. Like like he was gonna kill me, but he didn't." And she still wasn't that skeeved out about it. No, not at all. Yeah, she seemed she to really like, take that in stride. Yeah, she's like, "Oh, he drove me home and apologized and and kind of said like he he wouldn't, you know, like she basically saw Owen as like she could tell he was going through something and she felt bad for him almost, you know." She was way too forgiving yeah, of that. She was. She was very nice. Also, just to go back to touch back on Claire's relationship with Beth, I just liked their. It was very believable. Their their oh, friendship was absolutely. But I mean, you got the vibe that 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 maybe she had some other intentions because she kept saying, "Why are you going through his phone? Why are you doing this?" When you find out that it's just she wants Beth to move on. She wants her to start the healing process. Yeah, exactly and if you're digging right. through the past, yeah. it's just going to be so hard to do that. Yeah. It's just making the wound deeper. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like one thing I noticed, like in the very beginning, just like the film, after we get that opening shot of the house, the inside, uh, like the way she's when she's coming home and she's being consoled by that person. I don't even know if we see that person again. Was it Claire? No, I don't even remember who it was. No, I don't think it was, it was just some random person. Right. What, what are you talking I, about? When? In the beginning, she's like coming home and she's being oh. consoled by somebody as if like she's coming back from right. the funeral. Um, I kind of thought it might be her mom. I thought yeah. it was a mother-in-law. That's what I Maybe. thought. It could have been. Oh, and like, yeah, it could be. She's like given food and yeah. then like she gets home, she puts it down and then she throws it out. And like the, the credits come on the opening theme. And I just like like that spoke volumes to me because like like all those nice things that people do and say when you're experiencing loss, they're like greatly appreciated. Like, you know, that they come from a place of love. But during that time, like what, what, what you're going through, it's fucking background noise. Like it does nothing to get rid of the anguish and like the pain that you're dealing with. Very and it's true. all it's it's like kind of meaningless in a way. I don't mean to take away from someone trying. But what do we do when someone passes? We try to say my condolences uh, if you need me, you know, but, but most times like all you want as a person who's lost 
is that person back and they yeah. nobody can give that to you yeah you and i just it. thought like that touched me because i've had a lot of grief in my life and this film when i saw it like definitely touched me yeah it's it's so heavy uh but yeah. the thing was hydroberg is that she brings that food back out because you see it on the table when she's watching the videos oh You're she right. does she i did hungry. That. okay yeah. that's good 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 pull it looked tasty. Like I'm never one to waste a casserole. Yeah, she just threw it out because she was going through something. Like I that. know, I you know. know. I could totally like, understand that moment. Like, who gives a fuck about a casserole? Yeah. Until like, later when you're hungry. That their song. That's the first time their song comes on during the the opening credits, and that mm-hmm. song is played throughout the film in a really interesting way. I feel like it really helps set the tone for the film, and there's some moments where they use it for scares too. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels yeah. This this movie is done. God, with such reverence, it it it, it just feels like like the director just kind of honed in on this this grief. Mm-hmm. You don't see what's going on out like as a viewer, like you're feeling what what uh, Beth is feeling. However, you see what she's not seeing. <laughs> Doesn't make yeah, sense. like grief itself is the antagonist. Almost, you know what I mean? Like exactly right. You know, but you you see this though at like, first. You, yeah, yeah. And it's oh my gosh, man. Well, and something I appreciate about the way the character of Beth is written and the way Rebecca Hall plays the character is the realness of it. This mm. is not a character who is like just kind of demure and putting on a happy face um she's showing her grief and oh, yeah. i actually feel a lot of anger from her in this in her portrayal of this character rightfully um, so <clears throat> like she's angry at the situation i think i feel like she's angry at owen even before she starts having suspicions about you know his secret life um i feel like she's just really angry at him for leaving her and for not giving her like more answers in the note and like she's very, she's like a giant walking raw nerve. And oh, yeah. like the scene where she goes back to work, I mean, mm, like, I love it. And she, she just kind of like spills her guts to the parent who comes in. Oh, you want to know the kid's grade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I don't, I can't remember having seen many performances like that, where that kind of like anger is shown in a person who's grieving. And I appreciate that, that that wasn't, toned down that that was allowed to show through and when she's out at the bar drinking with her friends and she has a few little comments like um you believe in ghosts yeah and she really kind of unloads almost to an uncomfortable degree with yeah. her friends that you're the suicide like, note out of her purse yeah i mean like, oh you have it in your purse that's intense i mean but yeah i mean yeah it just happened so yeah, but yeah you're right like the way they set that up, though, it, it, it came back later in the movie of like almost she wrote it because she doesn't remember, you know, didn't say XO XO husband or whatever it was. But it was like set up so beautifully that it came back later in the movie when you saw the apparition of, you know, this piece of shit husband writing that. I wouldn't call him a piece of shit. What? Well, I mean, he's like possessed. He's doing all this I mean, because the thing's trying to make him kill his own wife, and he can't figure out how to. Stop. He doesn't like, want to tell her about it. He's you like don't... trying to trick a demon. Like... I wouldn't just condemn him and say that he's like a piece of shit. He's doing all this out he's of love. To... At the end, yeah, of the he's day. trying to save his wife. Yeah, and kill other women. 
by saving I mean, that's to save good. his life. They're, it's a it's a means to an end. They're, they're collateral damage in his eyes. No, it's not. I'm, but I'm he's not, not an evil person. He's not, not like a serial I'm, killer who's killing yeah. for fun. Like he. Okay, so okay, it wasn't fun, but he at one point he was in a, a a good marriage and he was a loving husband, and then this demon started or death itself, whatever you want to think of it, started whispering in his ear and trying to make him kill his own wife. So and you then, could you could actually take this movie, spin it on its head, and say it's an allegory of this is how somebody becomes a serial serial killer, right? I wouldn't say that. That's how they not from. I mean, yeah, if a person says that, like, oh, a demon whispered in my ear. OK, yeah, that's might be what they tell you. But most times it's it stems from their childhood. I mean, I think because, you know, we're following this story from Beth's point of view and because she herself yeah. encounters the demon like we know that it's within the realm of this film. It's real. It's not like just something that he said. He's not like I hear voices telling me to do this. Like we know that this entity is there. She's an unreliable narrator, it. too, like her. There. Yeah, but we still see what she experiences and like the, the scene in the bathroom where she like feels the presence and mm-hmm. like we we know that, you know, within this world logic, there there is something there. It's not just her husband like going insane or whatever. So her friend um, Blair at the end of the movie, sorry to jump ahead, but she's looking for Beth, right? Mm-hmm. So when Beth is on this boat, that's the entity or that's her husband or just a vision. It's of- the entity that her husband. It wasn't. It was the entity the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Just her husband. She was her never head. really seeing so her why, husband. Why did the husband kill himself? Because the entity was trying to use him to kill Beth. And so he tried the best he could by killing these girls and making the night house by making a maze. He tried to trap the the entity for a while and it was working. But after a while, the entity was getting smarter, right? It was like it was coming oh, back I to Beth it no matter out. what. Yeah. yeah. So he, his only last ditch resort was like, I'll fucking take myself out of the equation and I'll kill myself. Sure. Yeah. So that it makes the note make sense where it says you were right. There is nothing. 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 Which is the which is the entity is coming. Nothing is nothing coming is after to get you. you. Yeah, nothing is after you. You're safe now. But he meant like from me. I so guess. if you want to skip to the end, like the fact when she's on the boat and she decides not to kill herself and she's face to face with the entity, there is there is a way of looking at this film where there is no entity at all. And this is just a grieving widow who's had a, a mental break and she's been dealing with this horrible grief of her husband having a split life that she was not aware of having other women and being a fucking murderer. Right. And then in that in that logic, then he is the piece of shit that you say, John. Right. And that. She, this entity was just something that basically she came up with in her mind to cope with everything. Okay, so so for me, that's what I gathered from that because she's the one that, that had all these issues of of wanting to end her life, right? So, I think it's ambiguous on purpose so that that you can entertain that theory. Yeah, and and that there is no big big bad. There's no boogeyman. No. So then, would you say if that if we read it? Through that lens, would you say then that both of those characters had like severe kind of like mental disturbance? I do. Both the husband and the wife. Because mm-hmm. we I mean, see I the guess. husband like we see his sketchbook and he's got yeah. these weird thoughts written down and he's kind of obsessed with this Caradroya, Caradroya and the yeah, weird figure with the yeah. stakes through it and twisted in the weird position. And he if, if we eliminate anything supernatural, 
mm-hmm. I feel like he must be going through some kind of like mental disturbance if he's believing in this like weird stuff and oh I have to make a reverse house to trick a demon or whatever like because he even if there's nothing supernatural he believes there's something supernatural as evidenced by all of his sketches and yeah books and crap that he's been which makes me think that there was a supernatural entity but I just thought it was interesting that every woman that he picked to murder looked like his wife yeah, so that's trick. he did that on purpose to try to trick the demon into thinking that oh, he got that she was dead. The, so John was this you said this was your first time watching this movie it is yeah okay was. so this was my second time I watched Me it too. for the first time maybe three months ago and I actually found it really confused like the whole last act I thought was really confusing this time around I feel like I grasped a lot more I do still think the third act is a little sloppy but it is um, like it's the logic really starts to break down and it's hard for me to like follow what's going on. But, um, but I feel like I have more concrete answers and understanding of this after watching it a second time. I really please, do feel that way. Yeah. Please illuminate that because to me, it was just more like, you know, maybe that Beth was going through her own thing. And then, uh, you know, it was actually, I love the contrast of, uh, being daytime, but being in the middle of the lake, it, mm-hmm. it was like red, you know, almost yeah. like, like a Jalo film where it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, color saturated, almost like the upside down. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. you could see the two moons next to yeah. each other and one moon and lit with house. red. Yeah. yeah. One that, felt like cool. a demon, one felt like an angel or whatever it was, you know, however you looked at it. Yeah. Please illuminate Jacqueline. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I think that the point we just made about like the, um, why the women that he killed look like her. I, you know, that was like something that I didn't get the first time around either. And this time I did. So, um, but I think, so while we're on the topic of it being a little messy in the third act, I do think that there are some, like, I, I don't know that like the writer. So Bruckner didn't write the screenplay. No, he, he didn't. He, he, he read the screenplay and was like, this is amazing. I want to direct it. So the screenwriters, um, I'm not sure that they're like really consistent or even clear on what kind of like the rules are in this world. And I find that it gets very confused and confusing in like how these two realms kind of interact. Like it's almost kind of like there's like two parallel universes. It's um, like her sleeping, her dream state and then her waking state. And, yeah. But it seems as though like one is able to influence the other, like when she's dreaming on the couch and it's morning time, but in her dream, like in her dream, she's still asleep. But in the dream, she opens the front door and sees herself. On herself yeah. But then in the real world, the door opens and there's nobody there. And so that it's like, okay, I can take that. But then in the end, it's like, sometimes the house, the dream house is finished. And sometimes it's still in the middle of being built yeah, so you were like, did he bring these girls to their house when she well, wasn't home? Madeline says, furnished? I've been here before. Yeah. But then she also says he took her to the dream house. And, yeah. But when she goes to the dream house for the last time, it's unfinished. But I think the first time it is finished. It's like she's outside of it and she sees she sees the girls. Yeah. She sees different girls, it looks like, in different windows during different times. As if like they were all the victims, you know, at different times of right. when they came to, to see Owen. Is there other friend named Mel? The guy that's yeah, the neighbor. Yeah, yeah the neighbor. No, kind of the caretaker neighbor guy. Yeah, I think he kind of was a little bit of a red herring, too, 
for no. a yeah. moment at least. Where like he knew more than he was letting on, which he did know a little bit more, but I not felt, as much. Yeah, I felt he was more of a harbinger of the movie, though. He didn't know about it. Because he did tell her that, yeah, I saw him bring a woman out here. And, and the house that Beth went to was decrepit and, and not finished. But the mm. house that, that Beth saw was actually, you know, just the opposite of the other side of the lake, I guess. Right. Yes, yes, yes. OK. Now, do you think Owen at some point was going to finish that house or the point was just to keep it decrepit? I just it, just it, have the, the the floor plan needed to be the same yeah, basically just it, reverse. It felt sure. more. It felt more like a kill house or or oh, yeah, it was. You know, John Wayne Gacy house. You know, because everybody was <laughs> all all the victims were under the floorboard. Yeah, I feel like you would have smelt those bodies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Owen was a smart guy though, so maybe he knew how to get rid of a body with yeah. the without any odor. But well, but then so then later. Beth is she's in her own bathroom and she feels what the presence of what she thinks is Owen, but really it's the entity. And and then through the mirror, she can see into the night house and see Owen killing a woman. And then but then she goes into her bedroom and all of a sudden it's in reverse. So it's like everything's kind of mixed up. And, yeah. and then even the house itself itself starts changing and shifting and morphing and like stretching. I love those parts. So do I. The, I, the, I, the camera I, work I, in this, the use yeah. of like it was showing so, the entity, but never actually just showing its silhouette all the time. It was so beautifully done. There was there was one point where she had woken up from that dream or that nightmare mm-hmm. and it was all reversed. And you're just like, whoa, OK. So I wrote it down backwards. <laughs> yeah, like the first time we see it. She that door opens, she closes it and it doesn't close all the way. It opens a little bit and then we see a silhouette and yeah. you see a head turn real quick and like eyes glow just for a split second. Yep. And then yeah. she closes the door and you see that like that's some shadow in the kitchen that's basically looks like it could have been a silhouette. Right. Like Exactly. And that mo- the movie does that so many times where like uh, there's a piece of molding that yes. looks like someone's face. Yes. I just, yeah. Well, and, and it's all in the negative space. So yeah. on, I, I love the on- way it was done. I watched on Blu-ray and there was a um, like a little making of featurette um, that I watched last night. I didn't watch it the first time that I saw the movie, but last night I did watch it. And it, they were saying how, because it's always in like the negative space, like there's no yeah. physical object that looks like a head. It's always no. in like the empty space. Yeah. Um, and so that's supposed to represent like the, the absence, nothing. the yeah. absence of Owen. Yeah. It's like, and, the, like the nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really um, smart. And in the theater, it fucking it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially the sound design must have been incredible. Yeah. With the creaking of the, the wood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's gonna, yeah. That's what I was going to say is like the sound design of the movie just would have really fit in the theater just because it was like you get these whispers in the background and you have to listen really close. But <laughs> so the scene where she comes home drunk and falls asleep on Claire's leg. And she's like, I'll just you can leave when I fall asleep. And then the movie just abruptly fucking cuts to the radio being on. And that scene made me jump. (laughs) And I know it was coming again this time. And it still made me jump a little bit. Like, but the first time it gets you really good. That's like one of the best like auditory, like jump scares I've seen in a long time. It was very jarring. Yeah, for sure. The sound just goes up like super loud. Yeah. That's scary. It was. 
Well, I, I did love the shots of like the crown molding or the molding of the uh, mm. whatever it was, you know, shaped as a head. And like you said, Heinsberg, the, the way it, the head turns and you see the lights or, or the eyes just open up slightly and then boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere she Bye-bye. looked, she saw that. Like you said, I liked how you said, Jacqueline, like the void of like her husband that he left, you know? Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. I, I don't give me credit for that. It was the filmmakers no i mean but you mentioned it but yeah. just like and then the hallway scene where the hallway kind of elongates and like the painting the pictures move back and like you see that it's a silhouette of like a head and shoulders i kind of love those scenes in any movie it's almost like poltergeist where it's just like you know joe bath williams is like, like going after Carol Ann, and then the hallway just goes Whoa. yeah right, you guys want to hear something messed up i don't want to bring you down oh okay it, but it's about grief, so I might as well talk about it. That that actually does happen in real life, that elongated sort of vision. Um, when my father passed away, mm-hmm. it happened suddenly. Um, and then he was brought to the hospital. It was a heart attack. So, like, they didn't tell us that he had passed. So we all went to the hospital and we, you know, we all thought like, oh, he's probably gone. But they wouldn't tell us. We were in the waiting room and then they told us, you know, we all got, you know, everybody hugged each other. We were all crying. And then we had to go down and see his body. And we had to go down this hallway in the hospital. And that's what it was. I got tunnel vision when I I've never experienced this before. I remember it to this very day The the hallway literally was so long and it just kept getting longer. And I could see the room at the end of it. It was like because because in my mind, I, I didn't want to see what was in the end of the room. You know what I mean? So it was just so weird. And I remember that to this day because I watched so many movies and that's used a lot in movies. And I was just like, it just it was so crazy that that's actually something that your mind and eyes, like your eyesight can actually do. And it was wow. just so crazy for me. That's hard. That sounds like a nightmare. It, yeah, it wasn't though. It wasn't the best experience. I don't wish <laughs> it on anybody, but I just remember it to this day. Like it was so weird. Wow. I always thought that was just a technique that filmmakers use. I didn't so realize did I. anybody ever actually experienced that. But it was like a trickery of my mind. I don't you know, I can't explain yeah. it, but I just I know that what I felt when that happened was like the hallway was just the longest hallway I've ever walked down. Yeah. I, I would wonder if like people being walked to like the electric chair get that kind of feeling, mm. something like that, you know, seems like it. Yeah. This is going to give me nightmares, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. I feel, I mean, it's a movie about grief, so I might as well talk. about. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's true. It, is. Yeah. it really is. Mm hmm. That's kind of why the movie does resonate pretty well, even though it drops the ball in the end with the some of the lore. I think mm-hmm. overall, just the craft of the film is really well done that you kind of forgive it a little bit for its missteps. I, I mean, do. like, I think the lore is very interesting, but it is the part that's the biggest, like, detriment to the film, actually, is mm-hmm. when they start introducing more and more of it, it gets a little confusing. Yeah. Which is my problem at the end of the movie because it felt like, you know, um, the husband was just this piece of shit at the end, <laughs> and and um, Beth decided to go against it because he, she could have ended her life the way he did, and she didn't. You know, her friend Claire and and Mel, they were there for her. Or yeah, so. I mean, had he spoken to his wife and told her what he was going through, it could have been a different circumstance, like could have ended differently. But I ultimately think he killed himself because he was trying to protect his wife in the end. Like, yeah, it could have been. I don't know. I, I Maybe two I wrongs gotta, don't make a right. I get it. Right. But I, I should watch this movie again. Maybe pick up on those 
like for me it was just more like he was a psychopath <laughs> well, so we, we never get to see him out yeah in, like, we never see him as himself yeah. as his real self you see that one video yeah, yeah. Well, you see pictures too, but yeah, but you it, never actually experienced their love together and like what their life was like together. So I guess there was that one picture where he, he's got like a half smile. She's totally happy with this guy. And then, you know, he's just got this, eh, you know, crooked grin, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I kind of have a question and, I, and I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. But like, what? Why is this all happening to her to begin with? Like, I get that the demon, that the the entity wants her back, wants to bring her back to the realm of death. But it, it feels like it's all these things that she's experiencing and going to the night house and like the dreams and the loud noises and people knocking on the door and all these like scary things that are happening. It feels like something is just like toying with her or trying to communicate something with her it's like why is it bothering to do this rather than just coming right to her and trying to take her i feel like it's trying to show her the night house it wants her to find that night house or like so she you see how she brings that she knows the truth about her husband she brings the the louvre doll back to the house and they zoom in on it as if like that might have opened her up to the the entity even further because that was supposed to be keeping the entity at bay to kind of weaken her like open her up to like its influence to kill herself right but it's also the argument that you guys are making is that you know maybe the husband was a good person and didn't want to kill these women but why is it like like approaching her of like look at what your husband has done well that's what it's sort of it's like breaking her down because we can see this entity doesn't just it can't just physically interact with everybody it sure. it, it kind of influences people right it's mm-hmm. like through the husband and the way it's doing with her is it's sort of leading her to things that will break her down the information that she'll get from where it's bringing her or like the torment you know the haunting mm-hmm. it's like it's like it knows you know she's grieving she's dealing with so much already she's drinking every day she's not getting enough sleep and so like this thing on top of it is just breaking her down to the point where like, yeah, she would contemplate suicide possibly because of it. I get that. It just feels really elaborate. Yeah, it I would be like... a really bad demon. I'm too lazy. I would just be I like, just don't, yeah. <laughs> can you kill yourself now? Like, I'll set a trap no? and if they come in, they come in. And, yeah, know, that would be, be here chilling. So I'm too lazy. But I just don't like that. Um, Like, I, I don't know. When she is introduced to the demon uh, eventually in the, the shower scene, like, that's where the movie sort of takes a step. I know, but it, it doesn't feel like the husband was a good person because he didn't like really pull back. Uh, the only time you you felt that he pulled back is when that woman from the bookshop says, well, he was going to choke me, but he apologized. No, they show the scene in the in the bathroom where he oh, yeah. chokes the woman and then pulls back and then he doesn't want to fucking kill these women, but he has he doesn't know what to do. Well, I, granted, he killed women, defenseless women like I there's nothing I'm not there's no redeeming quality about that. But we understand why he did it. And that was because he loved his wife and he was trying to save his wife. Like, I can't ultimately condemn him for that. Yeah, he wasn't um, an evil person. No, like he didn't he didn't start the film killing people. I don't think he was killing women before they met. Like, I don't think any of that. And hide your break. I'm sorry. I, I've only seen this movie once. But no, I get it to me that it, that he just. He was 
the bad person <laughs> it wasn't demons taking over it was just he was a serial killer that's all i mean it's like that's i mean the film I, does I, give so you, you enough like information to think that way yeah so your read on it is that there's nothing supernatural going on this is like a psychological breakdown i i and, and the, which is why the boat scene happened at the end of the movie where it was <clears throat> excuse me it was red it was a uh, dark but a friend and well the two friends you know claire and then uh mel mm-hmm. came out to save them mm-hmm. or her. and they get through to her yeah and that, her weakest it, moment yeah that it was just like and then she decides like mentally they say what are you looking at and she says nothing you're right exactly and then they, right. like she's decided in her mind this isn't going to bother me anymore there's nothing there but if you look camera tricks there is something still there the mm-hmm. water, the way the water's cut, it's waving. And then there's one section that's still a silhouette of a man. And yeah. Very faintly. Again, I got to watch. It's that. all interpreted, you know, how we want to yeah. see it. I've seen yeah. it one time. So it was like, uh, that's kind of what I picked up on. Uh, that Which, she, she didn't go I, I do down like the same that. Path. Yeah, I think that's I a valid. Inter- I think that's a valid interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I just there's <laughs> enough. There's enough breadcrumbs to, to lean either way, I feel like, honestly. Yeah. And I do like the ambiguity. I just don't like that they info dump on us at the very end. Like you've said, Jacqueline, before, show, don't tell, right? So, like, yeah. we we had the, inve- the investigation she's been doing on her own. That all works for me. Her being haunted every day or every other day, like, and her thinking was the husband. That all works perfectly for me. The setting works. The scares are good. But then we get that very end, the third act, like you said, and we just st- it stumbles. It trips over its own feet and we get basically like, oh, we don't know if the maybe the people watching the, the audience is a little too dumb. We're just going to explain it to them. And the entity basically just tells us what's going on in the last moment where I feel like she could have found a journal. She could have found more things about her husband and what he was going through to, to lead us through her investigative work, you know. And that could have just told us what was going on without having that last scene where the demon's sitting on the couch and it turns and talks there. So it brings up the uh, question of what was that uh, statue that she found? You know, the various like submissions. It's like a totem. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? And its mm-hmm. belief is that like through killing these women, through he basically was looking up different ways to trap, uh, you know, an entity. So one of them was the, what was it? The, uh, Caradora, yeah, which is like another word for a maze, like a Welsh maze or something like that. I was looking up, yep, um, some kind of maze like they used to make out of hedges and stuff. Uh, some kind of rituals that they we've lost the meaning of them. Exactly done there. Um, so like his idea was he made the house basically to trap, confuse the entity into thinking that that was their home, and then he would kill other women that looked like his wife basically to think that the entity would think like, oh, you did the deed that I wanted you to do. You killed your mm-hmm. wife. And then the, the the I don't know, the the statue that he recreated was supposed to kind of contain the entity at some point or something. Supposedly it's supposed to have a casing around it. And I think that broke mm-hmm. like maybe mm-hmm. it did work for a while. Maybe that. at one point yeah, I was reading up on it, like maybe they knocked it over during one of his murders or something like that. And then she takes it home. Which and they focus on it for a minute, which made me think like, I wonder if that opened her up to the final assault by the. But it makes no sense. The team where it could touch her and stuff. 
yeah, what? John, it's basically a final destination movie where it she is. cheated she cheated death in her youth and now death wants her back. It is. This is basically right. like we're calling it a demon, but it's really just basically death. It's death. Yeah. This is this is final destination part six, basically. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm and again, she explains that is that I got in a car accident, I died mm-hmm. for whatever it was, and I don't know. A flashback to that accident would have been cool if we saw that like, would have that been would have a silhouette. Like right. When she saw nothing, we saw a quick silhouette of nothing, but it was like a man or whatever, a figure. Heidelberg, you were so right. That's what yeah. I, I put in my notes. I said, let's see the accident. Yes. Yeah. I like like yes. a signs moment where we see the accident flash to the accident scene and she's upside down in the car or whatever. And right. Her eyes close and she sees like this entity for a second or nothing. But we see a silhouette of nothing. But her husband's the entity. I mean, I like well, to, that's what I picked the, up from it. No, no he's husband. not really. The entity, he's like, using in, her in that image. final scene where she's talking to him, but it's not really him. It looks like uh, it's just the entity has taken the form of Owen just so, because just it's a nothing. To her. Yeah, because it doesn't have a form, really. And it's, it's Yeah, that's why she's the it's negative like space throughout the home and everything. So it's just in that final act, it's just inhabiting Owen. So like, she's she's picking between life and death, and then Owen's yeah. the the uh I guess the the presence of death. You could do yeah. this because she has a revolver. She decides not to, and then yeah, just like he did on the boat. Yeah, and I guess maybe the entity thought like if I take the form of her husband and show her like his suicide, you know, it, she can basically think like, oh, you know, I'll do it too, and then I'll be with Owen. And the entity just basically wants her, you know, she's she got away and he, you know, he's it's not OK with that. Yeah. And ultimately, like you think like. So she decides to to wake up and not kill herself. Right. This is still going to be something she's going to have to deal with for the rest of her life. Right. Like this. Yeah, thing she's not away. like done. Yeah. She needs oh, some nah. serious therapy. And, like, so it's either it's a I'm real sure. entity and it's still there and it's always going to be after her. And she's come to grips with that. And now she's going to try and live her life again. Or like John thinks, you know, like the film kind of makes you think it's like it was never there at all. And she just kind of made a choice to maybe go see a therapist or whatever, like and deal with the fact that her husband had a secret life and he was a murderer. So like and there never was a nothing. Yeah, maybe he wasn't. But I mean, it was just more of a grief. I mean, it it was it was an allegory of grief. It, it, It was like this. This is the way I feel. I'm so heartbroken. Maybe she'll believe anything. Whatever. It's almost like the Babadook where at the end, yeah. she spoiler for Babadook, but it's almost kind of like that where at the end, she comes to grips with the fact that like, this is never going away. She just has to find ways to cope with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Babadook, she created that. And yeah, but then at the end she like puts it in a cage, yeah, you know, and it has yeah. to she has to feed it and acknowledge it and you know recognize that it's there, but she can't let it just like run amok and take over the house. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is kind of like that. Like yeah, it's she's vanquished similar. it this time. Now she knows what it is, and it's really now it's really just like her grief, I guess. But um, while we're on the topic, I kind of want to say something about how the entity is like treated here. So I mean it's hard for me to really complain about this because it's a horror movie and it has to be horrifying, but I kind of, if, if we act, if we just for the sake of argument, argue that the entity, that there is an entity here, it represents death. It's trying to get 
Beth back. Okay. So just setting aside the, like, it's totally psychological theory for now. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I love how death is characterized then as like a dark force which I guess, you know, I, I get that for the purposes of a horror movie, it has to be dark and horrifying. But I mean, even aside from that, I just, so I'm not a religious person at all. I'm very much a, a staunch atheist and I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in like karma or like, you know, as a spiritual force, I don't believe like, I think once you're dead, you're dead, your, your worm food hits over. Um, and I don't, I've never thought of death as any sort of like personified entity or any kind of demons or anything like that. And so I think of death as being just like, it's just as na- a natural part of life as birth and everything that comes in between. It's just, like it happens to everyone. There's no, it's the only truly equal thing, right? Um, like everyone gets the same fate. There's no hierarchy there. And so I just kind of don't love the fact that the entity in this movie is like representing death. I would have liked it better if it represented grief because grief is so yeah. like destructive of a life. It kind of like the Babadook was. Nobody um, deals with it differently. Yeah. But like for it to represent death, I don't like, I just don't think of death as like a dark force. And so um, as some, something that's like, um, what's the adjective form of vengeance? Something that's like seeking vengeance or... Um, or like has like dark motives or ulterior motives or like some kind of agenda. Like, I just don't think of it that way. And I mean, I get that it's a movie, but I think that's what I don't know. It just doesn't hit. It doesn't like click for me because I just don't think of it that way. Right. But I also think that's what grief is, is that you feel so guilty that you're not in the same space, whatever you believe, you know, whether it's going to heaven, hell, whatever it is you believe. I think that Beth, just has this guilt of being alive <laughs> because the person that she loved the most is gone. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the entity representing guilt or grief or depression mm-hmm. would make total sense to me, but for it to specifically represent death doesn't work as well for me. So yeah, that was my problem. too. I get that. Like, so like death is scary. The thought of death can be scary. So it being a scary entity makes sense. And I wonder if like it's only scary because she got away from it. So like the fact that it has to come back and get her is why it why it is this way, because it naturally you're not supposed to be pursued like it just happens. And and, and you're you know, it's it's there. It takes you and that's it. Like the fact that she got away is sort of like why she's haunted by it. It's interesting. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, that kind of goes towards the line where. Would have Sorry, been a better, like you said, I think if grief was actually what, like this was personified her grief as uh, like a monster, that would have been mm-hmm. more interesting. But I think. As uh, on my first watch, that's what I perceived it as is that, that, that was her grief is that she should be with him. Um, that, that she shouldn't be alive either because this was her end all be all love. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt that, that, that's what she was experiencing through the whole movie or the whole, this whole point was I got to be with him. Um, She didn't though. Mm. You know, she came to this fruition of, I got to be alive. 
you know, her friend, her friends came yeah. out and saved her. So like yeah. snaps her out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, I need to be with him. This is like, like the love of my life. I got to be here with him, but she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just like grief, something like she had to let go and you have to let go at some point. Right. Of that grief, because that grief will, it'll consume you if you just focus on it. Yeah. Why the shots were so beautiful shot. It was just like in the red, in the dark. And then yeah. all of a sudden came to light. What did you think of the scene where she's contorted? Like the statue. I don't, it didn't I really make sense. I don't it, know if that was happening all in her mind anyway. Yeah, I, I wasn't really able to assign any meaning to it. I'm sure it did mean something. My guess was that didn't... was when the entity had her. Like the way she got contorted like the statue was like the entity. That was when it took over her. Like and why how it was able to get her to kill her, almost kill herself and stuff like that. Mm, because mm. that was the moment that she broke. You know what I mean? Okay. Eventually, so she's I like... It was like a persona. Like it was showing us what that rep, what it looked like, I guess, in her mind okay. or whatever. So that's how I took it. Because then after that, that's when she decides to try and kill herself. And she's obviously a, like a weird trance state. After yeah. That. Yeah. So yeah. I got to watch this again. I mean, this I think it's worth it. Yeah. The, the statue thing didn't make sense, but it kind of did a little bit. It was like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Hydraberg. Ever since I saw that you put this on the schedule, because honestly, after the first time I watched it, I was like, what? was all the hype about because I was so confused at the end and it just I didn't really feel like I put anything together and I was like ugh. and so when I saw it on the schedule I was like oh no I gotta watch this again um but I have to say after the fact now I'm really glad that you did because I think I have a much greater appreciation for it yeah I mean look it's 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 not a perfect film but like visually and the craft of it all and the sound design, like there's so much good in this film. I think we can excuse some of the, obviously it missteps at one of the most important parts, which is like landing, you know, nailing the landing, but so many good movies actually do not nail a good landing sometimes. And they still are good. Yeah. It's really tough sometimes to nail a film like this with this many, I think this film had too many moving parts. It's complex. Yeah. And we didn't get enough time delving into that complexity i feel like to really understand it you know what i mean like she finds everything out towards the very end we we do a lot of this movie just dealing with her grief and like her character which is good because i mean that's why we love her so much as a as a character i feel like like rebecca hall just kills it and but like if we could have delved into the the husband stuff a little bit sooner maybe or gotten more glimpses of the lore maybe we would have understood it better so that when we finally get to the end, we understand better what's going on. But I mean, they, they probably wanted that ambiguity too. So it's, I don't know. It's tough to say what decision to make if you were making this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's always like myriad choices to be made. And as a filmmaker, you got to just make them and stay true to what you think is, you know, most artistically correct. And people can, you know, go with it or not, but, um, but I, I, I do appreciate it more. So, um, well, and I right, did well my you, job. you did, you guys ready to do your, you opened my eyes to rock and roll nightmare and I reopened your <laughs> eyes to the night house. Thank you. That is an equal exchange. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I do got to say that that uh, scene between Beth and the mom was so powerful. Oh, oh my God. Loved it. Because like the mom was just like so apologetic. She's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh she was like, oh, my God. I just wanted to know why my son got a bad grade. And then you unloaded on me. Yeah. And then Beth just like like was brutal to her. Yeah. I love that. scene. Oh, we'll give him a big. Okay, Here we go. It's done. But also the mom was like kind of annoying. Yeah, she like- was. Absolutely. I can understand, too. So many teachers probably have to deal with that. Sometimes. Yeah. And somebody on this podcast is a teacher. Hyderberg. Um, but you may have to deal with that a lot. But I, I, I love that scene, by the way. I'm a teacher of many things. Yes, you are. Uh, well, I you teach us all how to do stellar reach arounds. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving a course at the community rec center on reach arounds. It's going quite well. It's 18 and over. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Adult continuing education. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's night school. To go along with night, the night house. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Teach us, oh wise one. And oh, because guru. of COVID restrictions, we are using rubber gloves to give the reach rounds. So, oh my god! Oh, Jacqueline, please save this one. For I don't know how to get out of this. Um, would you guys like to do uh, the hundredth episode? We got to do that. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, I'll write that down. All right, perfect. Would we like to give our reviews? Sure. Yes. Okay. Hold on. I'm writing down what time it is when you were talking about reach arounds. I believe it was 6969 on the on the time stamp. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Jesus. Low hanging fruit over here. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, ratings. Let's do them. Hydroberg. Right. It's your movie. Let's Why don't you go first? Sucker. Uh, my pros, this film has fantastic cinematography. Bruckner just does a great job with the camera in this, in this film. And I, you know, I know that the, uh, DP too, and like the, the cinematographer, like all those people did a great job. I don't just give it to Bruckner, but obviously, you know, he's a director and based on his other films I've seen, like he, he does great camera work. He does a lot of cool overhead shots in his films. Uh, the ritual did them as well. Um, the subtle use of light and texture just make a scene unsettling. And I thought they were great. You know, the way the entity is never seen. There's no fucking like you don't see a monster in a costume. You don't see a CGI like it's just I don't know how much of it's practical and how much is CGI, but it's done so well. It's like a trick of the eye. You know, you know, one minute it's there. The minute you turn around, it's all about perspective. Really, you're just like you're looking at something from one angle and you see a head and then you turn around. And it's not there. And we've all done that in real life, like looked at something and thought we saw something else and then turned again, a double take and it's not there. So I just thought that was great. And to base like an entity around that, I thought that was really original. Uh, The image of the entity showing up in the moldings and stuff like that, the silhouette, it's all done really well. The uh, sound design, I thought, was really fucking awesome. There's just a lot of scares in this film. They're not like cheap. You know, they're jump scares, but they're not cheap. They're earned and... I don't know. A lot of them do use sound to a great degree. I thought, uh, especially that one that I told you about with the with the the radio coming on, because it just starts with her laying down on her her friend's lap, and it's like a serene thing where like she's with somebody and she's you know around somebody who loves her, and she's falling asleep, dozing off, and then boom, abruptly, you know, it changes. Uh, the soundtrack I thought was good too. Just the the way they use that their their wedding song throughout the film. 
in different degrees. Uh, I thought it was really great. Um, it was like a through line through the whole movie. It was used different ways. And I like that. Uh, the acting, great. All the actors are good. Rebecca Hall crushes it, though, in my opinion. Like, as a grieving widow, trying to figure out what's going on with her, her, you know, her husband's double life. And like you said before, she's like a raw nerve. And she just plays it, like, unapologetically. Like, my fucking husband killed himself. And, like, I'm not going to hide that. You know, I'm dealing with it still. It's only just happened. And, like, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I, I dig it. I thought she did a really good job. Uh, and for me, like the way this film deals with grief as a plot device, it's just so well done. Um, I know the acting has a lot to do with that as well, but the storytelling just takes grief seriously and it shows what it's truly like to lose somebody and to deal with that loss and have to move on or not move on if you decide to dwell on it, you know? And uh, I just thought for somebody who's dealt with grief, I just, I like that. Um, I do like the ambiguity of the ending, especially more now that we're talking about it and we're like discussing the different outcomes of, you know, what we think might have happened and what was going on. But also, I think the story could have been a little tighter. I do think the info dump at the end was just a little sloppy uh, in an otherwise like really super tight film. You know, it just felt a little out of place. Uh, and I do think it's a super interesting premise, the film, and it has fantastic acting. And the craft is re is really great, but I feel like it just drops the ball at the end there with the the lore. It's just a little too convoluted, or we didn't spend enough time delving into it to for it to to pay off a hundred percent the way we would have liked to. Uh, so with that said, I'm giving David Bruckner's the the Nighthouse. I almost called it the Lighthouse. Uh, <laughs> Seven point five out of ten um, brandy bottles. <laughs> All right. John, yeah, let's hear your review. Uh, let's see. Heidelberg hit on everything that I really loved about this movie. Um, I think we, one thing we didn't hit on was the women jumping into the lake. Mm -hmm. To me, that was a very effective scene. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I felt like the husband not wasn't necessarily like possessed by some sort of uh, demon or, or entity or some sort of uh, antagonist that he was like that like they were trying to get away from him the way they were running I thought was fantastic um, yeah there was some ambiguity at the end of like uh, could, could it be a demon could it be this could it be that I thought the husband was just a piece of shit but man I love this movie I gotta watch it again um Acting was spot on. Hydraberg, you hit it on the head. Cinematography was perfect. It was so good in this movie. Like the, the transitions between um, uh, Beth laying on Claire's lap and then waking back up like immediately. That cutscene was so, so jarring. It was. I, it, it was like, man, I love this movie. So I'm going to give it a. What was the uh, brandy bottles? Brandy bottles. I'm going to give it a uh, 8.5 out of 10 brandy bottle bottles. Wow. Yeah. All right. You know what, Jacqueline? Give me, I'm put mine down as an eight. Eight. Yeah. I think John's right. This is a really good film and it does. It does have a misstep at the end, but up until that moment, everything else is like fucking stellar. 
you got a mm. couple yeah you definitely got a couple of whiffs on this but man this was so much fun to watch and i'm, <laughs> I'm excited to watch it again the fact you want to watch it again is a good sign so yeah yeah, yeah. how do you feel about the movie I mean, I, I really agree with you guys. Um, I think that I think first and foremost, the acting performances should be commended. I think Rebecca Hall is absolutely perfect as this character. And I like it that she's not particularly likable because she does not give a fuck right now. I mean, mm. she isn't interested in like being nice and Culti- like holding up her ends of friendships like she is in a very vulnerable place and she's full of grief and anger and she really needs to just like she needs for the people in her life to give to her she cannot be giving anything right now and so I like that there's no attempt on this character's part to like give of herself to anyone because she's just incapable not that she's a bad person but she's just incapable of that right now like life ebbs and flows and there are times when you have a lot of inner like you have a lot of inner gifts to share with the people in your life who need them at that moment and there are times when you have to take and you have to like draw upon those friendships and close relationships in your life to survive and so i i like that there is like no attempt to make her like super sweet and all that it's like she's going through what she's going through and she's just like struggling to survive literally and so um, I appreciate that. I, I like how she handles the performance. I think there's a lot of subtlety to it. Um, I, th- I think it's remarkable how the whole way through, she's really, you're seeing a lot of her anger and her confusion as she's discovering things about her husband that she didn't know. And she's, she feels betrayed. She feels hurt. She's angrier you know, than she even was before. But then there is that moment where she she thinks she feels him there and then she sits on her bed and cries her eyes out. She's like, I miss you so much. I just like, I please come back. I, I miss you so much. And she just cries her eyes out. And that is so heartbreaking. And it's it's really the first moment that she really allows herself to like break down. Like the anger melts away and you can really feel her sadness. I think her sadness is somewhat camouflaged up until that point so it's just it's so nuanced it's such a good performance it's heartbreaking it's it's fantastic and i i feel the same way about the other characters in the movie um i feel like these are all round characters like the character of madeline she's not perfect she's clearly made some mistakes but she also shows herself to be considerate enough and like selfless enough to come and like talk to this woman whose husband she was seeing it she had she doesn't have to there's there's nothing forcing her to do that but she's trying to like she's trying to help someone else um and like and that's a bit part that's like a small role but i just i i like that it is layered like that i really like the character of the neighbor um that's an actor i haven't seen too much of the only thing that i specifically recognize him from was um boz lorman's romeo and juliet from the 90s oh yeah um beyond that i i i don't know what else he's been in but he i just i just i couldn't even tell you why but i just really enjoyed his performance there was something warm about his like persona that i would like to see in other things i i hope that we can see him in other stuff too um the best friend she i think she was great like the dynamic of their friendship felt very real and authentic and relatable and she really cared about her friend and finally I feel like sometimes if I am, if I have somebody in my life who's going through something difficult, I'm 
not so much like the reality check friend. I'm kind of like the just comforting sort of friend. Um, I don't, I don't have like, I don't have the heart to be like the tough love kind of person. I'm just kind of not like that. Um, or if I, if I do, it's very difficult for me, but I'm just not really like that. But I appreciate how they have this loving friendship, you know, Beth and Claire, but Claire puts her foot down at certain moments and is like, no, this is not good for you. You need to stop this. And I feel like if I had a friend who was like neck deep in grief, I don't know that I would have the heart to like say that to them, like stop going through their phone. Cause like, how could you not? Like, how could you stop going through their phone? Like, of course you're going to go through the phone, especially if you're finding out stuff. Like I, I wouldn't be able to resist. So I, I respect that she as a friend do that. Anyway, all this to say, I love how all the characters are written and I love how the actors portray them. I think it's absolutely stellar. Um, I agree with Hyderberg. I think you really chose the right word. Like the plot is very tight. Like the story is very tightly woven and it feels like the pieces are very deliberately laid out in like a Mm. little puzzle. And it feels like it's very meticulous and deliberate until it gets to the end where for me, it just kind of turns into like a knot. It turns into a tangle. Um, So I don't love that, but leading up to that, I do feel like it's a very well-crafted, like carefully plotted story, um, which is, it's very artful. Um, So I have to agree with you there. I, I, I agree. It's, very very good and very well told and then it kind of just like falls apart and gets a little too chaotic at the end I don't know maybe maybe some people like the chaos I mean I I think there's an argument to be made that um there's a reason for it just being totally chaotic that like dream states and waking states are morphing and nothing really makes sense and this is forwards and this is backwards and now it's backwards and then it's forwards and so maybe there's something to be said for that and maybe it's okay for us not to be totally following. I just am as a viewer I'm uncomfortable with that. I think it's a little hard on my ego to feel like I can't figure this out. Like I can't figure out what every detail means and that's hard for me to like accept. So um given the themes of the film that does make sense, you know, the chaos. Yeah, so I you know, I I don't personally like that. I Yeah. I could give it the benefit of the doubt and say it was on purpose, or I could go with my feeling and say, well, I think it's messy. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm inclined to think it's messy. So I'm with you. that's my opinion. Uh, the color palette of this movie, and the, you were talking about the cinematography, and I also mentioned the production design earlier. Um, I think it's so fantastic. Like it's so complicated the way they had to use space. And I think they mostly did a great job with that. Just visually, the look of the film, I felt depressed. If you think about it, there's like no color in this movie. No. It's so drab. And it's in a beautiful like, setting. It is, but there, it's very colorless. And it's it's all kind of these muted colors. And yeah. um, I didn't I wasn't even conscious of that while I was watching it. But I, I was just sort of vaguely aware that's like, man, I'm feeling really down <laughs> watching this, of course, because of the subject matter. But then when I think back, I'm like, ugh. It looks it looks depressing inside the house. Like everything's these kind of neutral tones, and that's not kind of how I like my environment to look. I like a lot of color. Um, it was it, set in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, like in upstate, upstate New York. New York. Um, it was filmed in Syracuse, actually. But um, and even like the wedding song that you know keeps reappearing over and over again. 
it's not it's not like a cheery uplifting not, song. Actually, I looked up the lyrics. It's it's almost kind of like a dirt. It sounds like a dirge to me. It's um slow and kind of heavy sounding and yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I think the wedding song is depressing. Everything about it is just kind of depressing. But I think that's on purpose, and so in that way, it's effective. Anyway, um, yeah. I before I watched this for the second time, I went into it thinking I was going to give it like maybe a six. Um, but as I said, I appreciate it a lot more now. I think I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 brandy bottles. Nice. Wow. So We're all it does have a melange of different themes. That it's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I ever said that word. <laughs> well, now we three stables of our- the podcast. Now the word melange, Rob Zombie, does the nose. These are just going to keep accumulating. Think where we're going to be in 10 years. Like our entire podcast is just going to be inside jokes that nobody will understand unless they've listened. Hey, from the it works beginning. for straight chilling. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's it. Um, Who's cool. the melange of the week? What? The melange of the week. The melange of the week. <laughs> I'm going to cover melange ruse next week. <laughs> oh my God. No, we're not. <laughs> melange. Trust me. Uh, Jacqueline, um, you have some uh, trivia for us? I have some trivia. Nothing I like there's not that much of it. I really expected a lot more um, and nothing like earth shattering, but I'll, I'll read you what I got. So when Beth flips through photos on Owen's phone, one of the first photos is of two men laughing. It's the screenwriters. Uh, Luke, <laughs> really? That's Luke awesome. Piotrowski and Ben Collins, who met in high school in Georgia and began writing together in college. So that's cute. That's They're cool like strike. BFFs. Like yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, the the special effects, especially with like the the silhouette, you know, being shown in the you know different outlines of the house and then morphing or like then you see it and it's normal. Um, those were almost entirely done with practical effects. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly from the little featurette on the Blu-ray. The only one of those that was done with any CGI or effects was when she sees the reflection in the door, like very early on when the door is open and yeah. in the glass, she sees a silhouette and then it turns. It's eyes. Because, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that one was CGI and I'm pretty sure the rest of them were practical. So that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. And you can see it. I mean, it's like it, it doesn't even need CGI. It just needs like some careful design because you can see it looks like a a silhouette at certain points but then when you take a different angle you can see the edges of like the molding and the pillar and whatever right. and and you can see how they would fit together to it's form when they that turn, shape that kind of bugs you out because it's like it's like a head looking this way almost yeah. and then it turns and it's still the same shape but you could tell that it turned too like it's looking at you mm-hmm. without eyes or the, the way that know. shot was like framed it was perfect it was just like yeah. Yeah. that's one thing that really stood out to me yeah. when i first saw this film was like that type of camera work i hadn't seen in a horror film in a long time not since uh well when we saw uh, last night in soho did it did i see a film that oh, kind of did yeah. like tricky camera work like that that was unbelievable i feel like yeah. that was almost oscar worthy but of course mm-hmm. they wouldn't acknowledge that no. um Fuck Oscar. i'm sure you guys picked up on this too but in the scene we're in the bar and claire says yeah just let them stand up on their desks or whatever change their lives it's a reference to the dead poet society you oh, remember that? Yes. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. With Robin Williams. Yeah, I was waiting for them to say Robin Williams. Yeah. No. Um, interestingly, I well, I think it's interesting. The um 
the film was only expected to make around like two million dollars on its or like for its domestic gross but it ended up making like seven point something in u.s and canada and worldwide it grossed over 15 million so i think that's pretty good wow I don't know what the budget was, but I just know that the domestic gross exceeded expectations. So that's pretty good. Oh, nice. I yeah. actually saw this. I saw this one weekend and then the following weekend, Candyman came out and I saw that. Oh. And I was like, good oh. two weeks of some yeah. quality horror flicks for me. I was like, yeah, horror felt like it was coming back after COVID, you know? So yeah. this movie came out a week after or a week before Candyman? Yeah, maybe it was after. Oh, wow. Came out in August. Yeah. God, that's awesome. Yep. So that's all I got for trivia, but that, you know, I, th- I like that discussion. That was a good trivia. We've covered both Candyman and the Nighthouse now. Yeah. That's true. We have. Yeah. Uh, that was a confusing couple of weeks of movies for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing stuff in both. Well, fellas, I am pleased to remind you that next week, yes, we are we are resuming our themed month. Oh, shit. Yep. So next week is the first week that we have in September. And the theme for what's that? My pick, right? It is your pick. So the theme for September is the horrors of school because it's school time. (laughs) So for the whole month of September, we are choosing films that take place in a school setting or have something to do with school. So well, because Hyderberg is a teacher, I decided to pick <laughs> the 1980 teacher. classic Prom Night. Nice. Prom Night from 1980. Okay. Do you know where that's streaming, John? Or? Uh, it's actually on Shudder, but raise your hand oh, cool. if you know the star of that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, God. Hyderberg. Me to it. Going in. That was too yes. fun. I'm a teacher. I know these things. <laughs> he's a he's a teacher round. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> teacher round. Can you give us a teacher round? <laughs> as long as you're 18. I'll and back, Lynn. I love that. Um, we are bringing on some <laughs> special guests. I've been on their show once. Well, hold on, twice. Um, I'm going to be on their Halloween episode, which is coming up uh, later this month. But yes. uh, we're going to have the Circle of Jerks. Robert and Andy, they're going to be joining us next week. So. Awesome. Maybe the third Andy we've had on the show. I know. That's what I was saying. It was like, like we know so many Robert. We should do an episode Bob, with just Andy's Bob. only. We'll do all three Andys. It's the all Andy spectacular. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we'll do and we'll do child's play where the kid's name is Andy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Lord. So we're doing, idea. we're doing prom night uh, to kick off uh, horrors of school month. So. Awesome. I'm excited about this theme. Me too. It's going to be fun. Don Shutter. All right. So everybody go check out Shutter and find Prom Night and watch that immediately and then come back and listen to our episode next week because we'll be back here talking about uh, Prom Night. In the meantime, you can also email us at acutabovehorrorreview at gmail.com and you can follow us on Twitter at cutabovehorror. You can catch us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Check us out on Facebook, a cut above colon or review. And guys, keep those reviews coming on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to coming back here next week and talking with you guys about prom night. Were you a prom queen? <laughs> <laughs>
I did not go to my senior prom. Neither did I. Losers. We're too cool for school. <laughs> if real quick, if I could recommend Prom Night 2 is also on Shredder. So if you like Prom Night, watch Prom Night 2. It's a totally different theme movie. And then Spoils of Horror have an amazing episode on they that. Do. I think it might even be their first episode. They do. So yeah, check it out and then go check out their episode. Yeah. Or check out the that. episode first. And if you like what they say, go check out the movie. Is it basically just watch a whole bunch of prom night this week and listen to yeah. a whole bunch of podcasts about all the prom nights? Is it prom night to electric boogaloo? Oh you my god, you beat me to it. It's uh, Mary Sue. What is it? Hello, Mary Lou. Yeah, Mary Lou. <laughs> yeah, oh god. All right, fellas. Well, I'll see you next week talking about prom night. I'm keeping it creepy.